Hey, good morning uh, to all of you right here in Stafford. I want to welcome everybody in Fredericksburg and online as well. And uh, as Andy said, my name is Taylor Burgess, and uh, I'm coming to you from Beaufort, South Carolina. I serve as lead pastor of Cross Community Church. This is a church we planted about five years ago. And if you know a little bit about Beaufort, first, it is Beaufort. It is not Beaufort. Uh, we will kill you for that, seriously. And uh, that's the North Carolina one. We are Beaufort. And uh, in Beaufort, we are home to Paris Island and the Marine Corps Air Station. So I have to to believe uh, that here at the heart of Quantico, there's at least a few people who are affiliated with the United States Marine Corps. If that's you, would you just let me know this morning? Um, No Marines in the room, really? For real? There it is. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. But man, uh, I feel right at home this morning being surrounded by by you guys. I've got a lot of connections to this area. I went to school at Liberty just a couple hours down the road and uh, served in the National Guard for a couple years in Lynchburg and Roanoke during my time there and just have a heart for military families, military communities. That's how God called us to Beaufort and got us there. And and so I'm really excited about being here with you this morning. Um, One of our church's values is that we want to be about the big C church. We want to be about the kingdom. And and one of the ways I serve the Big C Church is by serving uh, with a team of speakers through uh, Clayton King Ministries. I know Clayton has been here a lot through the years, and he's had a, a significant impact on my life. And um, you heard a, a few months ago from one of my best friends in the world, a guy named Chris Dew, and uh, he told me about his time here with you that weekend. So I have been looking forward to this day and, and really looking forward to the opportunity to worship with you. You've got a sweet church family here and, and so honored uh, to have the welcome. But uh, my wife is Emily. We have three um, uh, barbarian man cubs, three boys at home, eight, six, and four, Gideon, Nolan, and Lincoln. They're, they're home in Beaufort this weekend, and, and we're, I'm just thrilled to be able to spend this weekend with you. And uh, as was mentioned earlier, we're kicking off a new message series here today at the Mount called Reality Check. And uh, your, your leaders asked me to start out this message series in Ephesians chapter two. So if you um, have a Bible, I just wanna invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter two this morning. And in the coming weeks, there's gonna be really a, a reality check, a, a hard look into the mirror of the word of God as we're looking at how we interact with one another, as how we interact with other brothers and sisters in Christ, how we interact with the world. Um, but before we can be right horizontally, in our relationships with each other and in the church and in the world, you and I have to be right vertically with the Lord, amen? But before we can have our hearts right with others, we have to have our hearts right with the Lord. And you and I are living at a time of just great division. Man, there's political division, there's cultural division, there's racial division, there's so many things that are dividing us as a nation. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the reason I can get so stirred up and have such a difficult time walking in unity or walking in peace with other people who are different than me and other people who are, who are maybe a little bit hard to love is because I'm prone to forget that there's a God who loved me when I was hard to love. And I need the reality check of the gospel. I need the reality check of being reminded of who I was apart from Jesus Christ I need to be reminded of the depth of my sin, what it was before Jesus came and wrecked me with his grace. I need to be reminded of who God is. I need to be reminded of his grace and his mercy for me and his son, Jesus Christ. And I need to be reminded of how he's called me to live in light of those realities. And so this morning in Ephesians chapter two, we're just gonna look at the simplicity of the gospel. And and, you know, if you've been in the church any amount of time, this is gonna be a pretty familiar passage of scripture, but I really just want to challenge you to not check out on this. You know, even as a, as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I am so prone to take my salvation for granted. 
Like I can be so guilty of taking my salvation for granted. I can get so caught up in the day-to-day busyness and chaos of my own life. I can even be so focused on all of my religious doing that, that I forget just the goodness of the Lord. I forget who it is that he is, and I forget what it is that he's done for me. And, and so uh, I can fall guilty as I grow in my knowledge and understanding of Scripture to think that, you know, the gospel is, is kind of that thing that's entry-level Christianity, we tend to think of this as this is sort of the, well, the gate that you walk through to become a follower of Jesus Christ, but that's kind of kindergarten Christianity, and now that I've been a believer for five years or ten years or a few decades, I need something deeper than the gospel. You know, I need some doctrine, I need some theology, I need some Greek, I need some Hebrew, I need end times charts for revelation because no one understands it, right? Like, that, that's what I really need, and you and I, as we drift away from the gospel, we can be so prone to taking it for granted. And we need to be reminded day in and day out of who we were apart from Christ. We need to remember our story. We need to remember who God is, what he's done for us, how he's called us to live our lives in response. Tim Keller has said really well that the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity, it's the A to Z. It's, It's not just the starting point, it's the end game. It's not just the launching pad, it's also the flight pattern and the landing zone. The gospel is everything to us. And so anything you and I are trying to do as followers of Jesus Christ, it's gonna be completely empty if we disconnect it from the done of Jesus Christ. Because following Jesus is not a message about what we do to get to God. It's a message of what God has done in coming to us. And we can't fall into this trap of taking our salvation for granted. Because as we're going to see, church, today in Ephesians chapter 2, you and I, apart from Christ, we were not good people who needed to be made better. We were dead people who needed to be made alive. We weren't just doing okay, kind of struggling along in need of revitalization. We needed resurrection. And that is what we found in Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. So let's go to Ephesians chapter two. We're gonna to read together here, uh, starting with verses one through three. This is our reality check this morning. This is who we were. The apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, as for you, you were dead. Everybody say dead. dead. He says, you were dead. I mean, just body in a casket. This is who we were apart from Christ. You were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He says, all of us, everybody say all of us. All of us. Also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So this is our first reality check this morning. We need the reminder that we were dead because of sin. We were dead because of sin. This is who we were apart from Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he, he uses a very black and white term that there's no room for vague in this. He doesn't say that you were good, he says you were dead. He doesn't say you were struggling, he says you were dead. Doesn't mean you had a, a pretty okay life and Jesus just came and made it better. He says you were dead. We were dead. Now, now this is a fact that might blow some of our minds this morning. Dead people can't actually do anything. This is who we were apart from Jesus Christ. And you were dead. He says that we were dead in our transgressions and sins. 
So, so transgressions are really lapses and violations of God's commandment. Romans 3 says that we're all guilty of this. Our sins, these are our offenses against God in word and in thought and in deed. All of us are guilty of this. None of us are exempt of this. And he just goes on to break this down, that this is who we were apart from Christ. He says, we followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient. In, this, in scripture, this world refers to the realm of sin and Satan. We're under his power, we're under his influence. We're enslaved to our sin in ourselves. Paul says that we were gratifying the cravings of our flesh, we were following its desires and thoughts. So apart from Christ, sin is not just something that we did occasionally, sin is what we did naturally. And in our dead sinful state, we had no choice except to walk in sin. Apart from God, who is perfectly holy and upon whom we cannot get to on any righteous deeds of our own, apart from him, even the good things that we do are acts of rebellion. Because what we're communicating to him is that we think that we can be good on our own. We think that we can gain righteousness on our own. We think that we can gain holiness on our own. We had no choice but to be this way. Those who are dead can only choose to be dead. What we can only choose to do in those moments, what comes to us in our natural sinful state. So church, we have to understand this morning, sin is not just an action of the body, it's a condition of the heart. And it left us dead. We were left for dead apart from Christ because of sin. Jesus says in John 3, he said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And Paul says, like the rest, we were deserving of this wrath. So we see not only the, the, pen, the power of our sin, that, that it enslaves us to our desires, it puts us in complete and total rebellion against God. We were also under the penalty of sin, which is eternal destruction under the wrath of God. Yet nobody likes to talk about hell, right? Like I say that word and some of you are already like, man, I brought my friend today. Like you, you gotta go there right now. And listen, this is heavy, but, but I think we need to hear this this morning. We need to feel this. John Piper said really well, he says, when the heart no longer feels the truth of hell, the gospel passes from good news to just news. The intensity of joy is blunted and the heart spring of love is dried up. We need to feel these things. We need to feel this because our gratitude for our salvation will always be small until we truly come to grips with the gravity of our sin. Until we truly come to face to face, until we have the reality check of the gospel, the reality check of our sin, and understand just how bad we were, just how lost we were. Now, I, I used to do this thing, and, and, and many of you, I, I hope you'll change after today if you, once you, you hear this. I, I used to do this really ridiculous thing where uh, I would tell people, be like, you know, I, I kind of just have a boring testimony. I'd say I was born into a Christian home. Both my parents were followers of Christ. I was born in the church. You know, we never missed a Sunday. I mostly stayed out of trouble as a kid. I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart when I was a high school student. And then I got into a little bit trouble and wasn't following Jesus seriously. But then I started following Jesus seriously. And, and that's kind of it. You know, just, just sort of a boring story. Like I wasn't a drug dealer. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't steal anything major. You know, that, that just, in my mind, that, that's just sort of a boring testimony. But listen, that, that's totally disconnected from what we find here in Ephesians chapter two. Here's our reality check. We say, I was born into a Christian family. No, the apostle Paul says, you were born dead in your sin. I pretty much stayed out of trouble. He says, no, you were enslaved to sin and controlled by evil. Say, I was a pretty good kid. No, Paul says we were by nature. We were children of wrath. 
This is who we were apart from Jesus Christ. And we have to come face to face with this. This can't be lost on us. We weren't just good people needing to be made better. We were dead people who needed to be made alive. So when we say that we have a boring testimony, either we're saying it in ignorance because we don't really understand how bad that we were and how great our need was, or it's arrogance. We believe that we did this ourselves. We believe that we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. We believe that we got our act together. We believe that we stopped sinning and we started going to church and we started reading our Bible and we started praying and we just start putting all of our confidence in these works. But Paul says we were dead. We were dead in our sins and we need to feel the weight of this or we'll never fully appreciate the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. When I was a student at Liberty, it was back in 2008, uh, fall semester about a week before Thanksgiving. I woke up in my apartment on a Sunday morning and I had this really sharp pain on my lower right side. But uh, because I am both an American and a male, I did not go to the doctor. Uh, I WebMD'd that mess, right? And, and I came to the perfectly good conclusion that I was okay. I was fine, like this is just a little bit of a stomach bug, no major issue here. But well, finally, this went on for, for about a day and a half before I finally caved and, and gave up and said, uh, I should probably go see someone about this. I'd never had to go to the hospital for anything in my life up to this point. And so I'm thinking that this is fine, this is no big deal. But I got to the point, I went to pick something up in my apartment, I almost passed out. So finally, I, I dragged myself down to my car and I drove short distance, a few miles to the hospital. And you know, I come like, like doubled over walking into the hospital, of course, the, the nurse at the front desk, she's like, hey, are, are you okay? And I'm like, what, what a question, really? <laughs> like, I'm here, number one, can't stand up straight, number two. So we start talking, she's asking about my symptoms, and she says, do you still have your appendix? And, and I was like, I, I think so. You know, I didn't know much about it. To my knowledge, had never lost it or anything. And, and, and so uh, I, I go sit down and they put me in a room and I drink the nasty red drink and I get the scan. And then sure enough, doctor comes in. He says, hey, do you have anybody you need to call because you're having surgery right now? And, and, and he said, it wouldn't be enough to say your, your appendix was, was, was perforated or lacerated or ruptured. He says, this thing has exploded and he said, you're having surgery right now. And so I didn't know much about the appendix other than it's, it's like a, a pointless organ, like you can live without it, right? I've also lost my gallbladder, so I'm, I'm getting rid of all the things I don't need about every 10 years, just, just trying to move on. Eventually I'm gonna run out though. I'm trying to live past 50, so, but we'll, we'll see at this point. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I lose the appendix and, and in my mind, you know, this is a, a routine outpatient kind of thing, 24, 36 hours I'm going to go. But then when I wake up from surgery, my parents had just gotten there, I overhear the doctor talking to them and explaining my full situation. And, and he says, man, I'm, I'm glad that he came in when, when he did. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I really don't like going to the doctor. I don't like going to the hospital. You know, I was just trying to, to bear through it. He's like, well, I'm glad you came when you did because otherwise he would have died. And I kind of laughed and he goes, seriously. And that was a reality check. I went from thinking this guy you know, performed a routine procedure, I, I wanna jump up and hug him. I'm like, brother, you saved my life. Like suddenly there's a much greater appreciation for what had just happened because I'm realizing just how bad this was. And listen, until we're willing to deal face to face with how bad our sin was, how bad it is, how much it puts us against God, we will never truly appreciate our salvation. This is who we were apart from Christ. We were dead in our sins. We were under the power and the influence of Satan. We were incapable of doing anything other than following the desires of our flesh and rebelling and sinning against a holy God. Anybody else thoroughly depressed at this point? That's just who we were. But this word gospel, it doesn't mean bad news. What's it mean, church? It means good news. Oh, it's good news. 
This is what sets Christianity apart from every other religious system. Every other religious system, it's prescriptive. It tells you this is what you can do to get to God. If you follow these steps, if you check these boxes, if you do the right things and do enough of them, maybe at the end of your life, you're good enough and you'll get heaven. But Christianity is not prescriptive, it's descriptive. It doesn't tell us what we can do to get ourselves to God. It's good news declaring to us, this is what God has done. He has come to us. He came and he found us while we were dead, while we were lost, while we were in rebellion against him, and he raised us to new life through his son, Jesus Christ. It's a declaration of news. I know that word news is hard for us because most of what is on what we call news channels isn't actually news, it's just opinions. This is actual news, that this is a real event in the time and space of eternity that God in the flesh came to this earth in the person and work of Jesus Christ to bear our sins. This is the good news. And so when we get to verse four, we get past the bad news and we get to the good news and this is a turning point. That this is what we call an inflection point and it all turns, it all hinges on this one word, but... So this is who we were, this was the situation, dead, apart from Christ, dying in our sins, incapable of doing anything other than following our sinful desires, but breaking news. This is what we find in verse four. This is the announcement of the gospel, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. So this is what he's done for us. He raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Listen, for it is by grace you have been saved. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So we got our first reality check, we were dead because of sin. Good news though, church, this is our second reality check. We are alive because of Christ. We were dead because of sin, but we are alive because of Christ. It all turns on that one but. We feel the weight of our sin, we feel the gravity of it, we see the severity of it, but God, rich in mercy, full of grace, seats us in heaven, pours out his grace, pours out his mercy, lavishes us with kindness. This is what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. This is good news. This is the good news of the gospel, and we have to be reminded we can't take credit for this. We we did nothing to earn this. We did nothing to deserve this. Dead people can't do anything. We did none of this. So we didn't pull ourselves up. We didn't clean ourselves up. We didn't get our act together. We didn't get ourselves on the right path. We didn't just start making the right decisions on our own. It's all completely and totally an act of grace. Listen to me. No matter what your story is, no matter how long you've been in the church, maybe if you've never been in the church before, ever, no matter how long you've been following Jesus, whether it is a day, whether it's a week, whether it's a year, whether it has been your entire life as long as you can remember, listen to me, there is no such thing as a boring testimony. 
There is no such thing as a boring testimony. You used to be dead and you have now been raised to life. I mean, just think about this for a second. It is not common to go to a funeral, to observe a body lying in a state, to, to then go bury that person, and then to see them at the grocery store three days later. It's not normal. I mean, that is newsworthy, right? Like, like you, you think that wouldn't make the headlines eventually? And listen, that is your story. That is all of our story. That's who we were apart from Christ. He's raised us to new life in him. Romans chapter five, verse eight, the apostle Paul says that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul said in Ephesians 2, it says, while we were sinful, while we were against him, while we were dead, he showed us his grace. But listen, th think about this with me for just a moment. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, his blood was being poured out as his body was broken, as he was paying the price for your sins, he wasn't doing that looking 2,000 years into the future, knowing you were gonna be sitting here in Stafford or Fredericksburg or online, Lifting your hands and singing. Man, you got, you, got your, you got your coffee on, got your Jesus on. Man, your worship team kills it, by the way, right? I mean, it's such a blessing. Man, just, just, they got me. I was like, I was, we were like 6.30 this morning. I was fired up. I was ready to go. They're, they're in here warming up this morning. And just, he, he didn't see you in, in, in the, the best, like, Instagram Christianity moment, right? He didn't see you there at the table with your Bible open, you know, going through your prayer list, doing your Bible study for the week, drinking your coffee, thanking the Lord for all of his blessings. He saw you at your worst. What's the worst thing you've ever done? What's the lowest moment of your life? What's the worst thing you've ever thought? What's the worst thing you've ever said? What's the worst thing you've ever done? What's the worst thing you've ever felt? Jesus Christ saw you in that moment and he said, mine. While we were still sinners. Grace and mercy. These two words, grace and mercy, they're really two sides of the same coin. Grace means we've received something that we don't deserve. What we, reserved is, what we, what we deserved was sin, but God, or was, was judgment and, and destruction, but God showed us mercy for our sin. He gave us what we didn't deserve. He gave us his son, Jesus Christ. Mercy means that God has withheld the penalty that we deserve because of our sin. He has withheld the judgment and instead he gave us his son Jesus. The wrath that we deserve against sin is then instead poured out on Christ. So, so friends, I hope you understand when we talk about the cross, when we sing about the cross, we're not just talking about a cross or the cross in some sort of vague, generic sense. No, 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 no. That was my cross. That was your cross. Jesus did not just die for us in the way that somebody buys you a gift, pays for a gift. No, he died for us in the way that someone pays for your debt. He didn't just die for you, he died in place of you. He died instead of you. This is grace, this is mercy, this is what's been shown to us in Jesus Christ, we were dead because of sin. We are alive because of Christ. And because of this, this is who God says that we now are, verse 10. Paul writes, for we are his handiwork. So, some of your translations, depending on what you're looking at this morning, it might say, for we are his workmanship. And the most literal rendering of those words, handiwork or workmanship, it's a masterpiece. 
you know, a, a few weeks ago, uh, Emily and I were on a, my wife Emily and I were on a sabbatical, and we went out to uh, Colorado, spent a couple of days in Beaver Creek, and just beautiful area out there. We flew into Denver and then drove, you know, through the Rockies, went through Breckenridge, and, 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 and then you know, got, got to our place about two and a half hours in Beaver Creek. And you know, that's a very, very hazardous drive from Denver to Beaver Creek, not because the twists and turns of the mountains, but because people like me aren't looking at the road. I mean, around every single turn, like I'm doing everything you shouldn't do. I got my phone out, right? Like we're taking videos and taking pictures and every single turn, it's like, oh my goodness, look at that. Oh my goodness, look at that. Oh my goodness, look at that. And I told him when we were driving through the mountains, I was like, you know, I was like, I can understand when, when people read the Bible and they struggle to accept things in the Bible. I, I can understand when, when there's truths of Christianity that are a little bit difficult and, and hard to grasp and to comprehend. I said, what I can't understand is that anybody could look at all this to look at this majesty and just say very, very easily, there is no God. I mean, because his glory, it's all just fully on display. And I look at all of that, incredible transcendent beauty and majesty and everything else. But Paul doesn't say the mountains are his handiwork. It says that, he says that I am. He says that you are. Jesus didn't die for these mountains, he died for you. He didn't die for, for, for just creation as the globe and the water and the land and the sea and, and the animals. No, no, he died for you. You were made in his image. You are his handiwork. We are his masterpiece. He takes what was dead and he makes it alive. It doesn't get better than that. He says that we are his handiwork and he goes on to say this, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we were dead because of sin. We are alive because of Christ. Third, we see this morning, we are created for good works. We're created for good works. Listen, we're not saved by our works. That's what Paul said in verses four through nine. There's, there's no amount of good you can do to earn your salvation. That's how broken we are. That's how sinful we are apart from Christ. There's no amount of good works we can do, no amount of church you can attend, no amount of Bible you can read, no matter how much you volunteer, no matter how much you serve, no matter how much you give, none of it is ever good enough. None of it is ever uh, uh, payment enough to pay the penalty for our sin. So we're not saved by our works, but the gospel's not just a message about what we're saved from, it's also a message of what we're saved for. And this is what you're gonna see a lot of in the next two weeks with, with the rest of your pastors and leaders. But, but I, wanna, I wanna start us that direction with this this morning. You know, we, we hear about the severity of our sin, the gravity of our sin, and we feel the weight of that, and we feel that weight lifted off because of the good news of the gospel, because of the good news of what Jesus has, has done for us. But, but I fear this is what happens for many of us. As we remember our sins, as we remember our failures, as we remember our past, as we remember what we were doing last decade or what we were doing last year or last month or last week or last night. We look at all of it and, and then we're just racked with guilt. But here's the reality this morning, church. You know, I could go through the whole list of sins this morning. Man, we could talk about lust. We could talk about sexual sin. We could talk about pride. We could talk about jealousy. We could talk about selfish ambition. We could talk about our inability to get along with people who are different than us. 
We could talk about divisiveness. We could talk about the brokenness in your heart, the brokenness in your home. And I could go through all this. And and there would be a chapter and verse we could point to and say, see, God's word says don't do that. And we could just pile it on with guilt, pile it on with guilt. And listen, we need to feel the weight of our sin. But the gospel is not bad news, it's good news. And guilt is a really good short-term motivator. Guilt will get you, though, only to about Wednesday. You'll leave this room this morning and you'll just kind of begrudgingly power through and try to do better for a few years and so, for, for a few days. And so I just want to ask you this morning, are you being driven by guilt or are you being driven by grace? The gospel is a message of liberty for people in captivity. And Jesus Christ has come to sing his song of mercy in the prison of your shame to free you. God does not intend for you to live constantly beaten down, constantly broken down, constantly under the weight of your sin. The good news of the gospel is that it has been lifted off your shoulders, that the penalty for your sin was not poured out on you, it was poured out on Christ. Our sin was so bad that it required the perfect son of God to make payment for sin. And it's from that grace, that's our foundation, that's the spring, that's what drives us to love and good works. That's what drives us to be reconciled with others. That's what drives us not just to love people, but to like them. Sometimes I I fall into this trap too, it's like you don't have to love people, you do have to like them. And I look at the message of the gospel. It tells me I'm his handiwork and I have to think, I'm so glad the Lord does not look at me like that. I'm so glad I have a heavenly father who does not just tolerate me but who genuinely delights in me. Doesn't just want my begrudging submission. He wants me to walk in the freedom that he has made possible for me through his son, Jesus Christ. A couple months ago at our church, um, we we had a a lady in our church family who went through our membership class. Has been in the church her whole life. And and part of our membership process is we sit down with a staff member, we ask uh, people to share their story of how they came to faith in Jesus. And as we were walking through the message of the gospel in our membership class, and as we'd been doing this for a few weeks in our church, she sat down with me and basically realized she didn't have a story. She needed the reality check. She, She had never truly looked into the depth of her sin. She had never truly seen the goodness of God. And because of that, she was not walking in the good works that he had prepared. And she realized even as someone who had been in the church for a long time, her dead heart needed to be awakened to life in Jesus. She wasn't a good person who needed to get better. She was a dead person who needed to be made alive and Jesus Christ made her alive. And so I I want you just to bow your heads with me this morning as we close out our time together here. And I wanna give an opportunity for for really two different types of responses this morning. The, The first may be that you're realizing this morning as we we open up the word of God as we look in the mirror of scripture, as you've gotten the reality check of the gospel, you might realize that, that your dead heart needs to be awakened in Jesus Christ and he's waking it up this morning and you know that's happening right now. You're finally seeing the magnitude of your sin. You're finally seeing the fullness of God's love. You're finally ready not to be driven and walking in guilt, but to be driven and walking in grace. So maybe God is calling you to himself this morning. He's waking up your heart. He's calling you into new life. Then another group this morning is, man, maybe you have been a follower of Jesus for for a long time, but you, you cannot kick your sin. 
You're still weighed down by, by your habit, by your addiction, by your tendencies, by your patterns of life because you've been trying to guilt your way through. And listen, Jesus is not gonna drag you kicking and screaming through the kingdom. He wants you to walk in freedom. He desires for you to walk in freedom, free of the weight of guilt, free of the weight of shame, free in the salvation that's been made available to you through Jesus Christ. And so listen, if that's you this morning, you say, one of two groups, either, just a second, I'm gonna ask you to raise up your hand and remember the prayer team just gonna bring a card to you. Said, listen, right now this is just between you and the Lord and me. I just wanna bring you a card and you can take that to the prayer room when the service ends this morning and let a brother or sister pray for you and encourage you. But if that's you this morning, you say, the Lord is awakening my dead heart to life or the Lord is calling me out of guilt and into grace. If that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand across this room? Again, this is just between you. This is between the Lord. And praise God for how he's working in your hearts this morning. So listen, that, that team, yeah, keep, those, keep your hand up. Praise God. Anyone else? Praise God. So Father, we thank you for how you're working in this room today. Thank you for how you're working in hearts and in lives. Lord, help us to remember who we were. But as we remember who we were, help us not to forget who you are and what you've done for us. Help us to walk free of guilt, free of shame, in the power of your Holy Spirit, in the works that you've called us to. Lord God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us this morning. Fill us with goodness, fill us with your grace, fill us with kindness that we could be reconciled to you and reconciled to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, I pray for this church family. Help them to be a force for good in their communities in this state. Father, guide them through a season of transition. Grant them wisdom and diligence. Be glorified now as we worship, as we sing. Let it all be a sweet aroma, fragrance to you today. Thank you for how you've worked in hearts and lives, even in this room this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.